always been somebody who has been passionate about community, has been passionate about um, bringing people together, has been passionate about helping people live their most empowered life. And now as a mother, really seeing that um, mothers need that on such a deep level. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year childcare veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at Jenny at JennyB.co. Let's get started. It's my birthday. If you're listening to this on the day that it releases, and if you're not, well, get it together. Papa Rick is back in the game this week, all hands on deck to welcome our inspirational guest, Shira Danielle. Shira is a life coach, community organizer, yoga teacher, chef, healer, and event planner. Her work focuses on the intersections of spirituality, social justice, creative expression, and earth medicine. She is the creator of Mama's Wisdom. A mama of two beautiful beings, she is on a mission to help other mothers feel empowered, nourished, and supported. She believes that mothers have a wealth of wisdom waiting to be unleashed into the world. And by building up mothers' confidence, wellness, and financial stability, we give mothers more opportunities to not only survive, but to thrive. When mothers thrive, so will the children. With the children thriving, so will our collective future. Awesome. All right. Well, welcome, Shira, to the Relational Parenting Podcast. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here and spending time with us. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Shira, I would love for you to just kind of let our audience of parents know who you are and what you do and kind of how you got to doing what you do now. What led Mm -hmm. you here? Yes. Thank you. That's a beautiful question to start with. Um, So as Jenny said, my name is Shira. And I am the creator of Mama's Wisdom, which is a community and hub for mothers and families to return back to living life in a ceremonial and sacred way. And we do that through our group coaching programs. We do that through our mother's blessings and family blessings, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more in detail later. Um, And we do that through um, just giving specifically mothers opportunities to um, see themselves and live a more empowered life um, and a life in which they feel supported and feel which they can truly thrive. Um, and how I got here, um, I mean, it's been such a journey. I was just reflecting today, um, in my journal about 
um, what is my superpower? And Mm -hmm. I wrote down that um, my superpower is in connecting connecting and community building. So I have always been a glue, somebody, a bridge Mm -hmm. for things. You know, ever since I was in high school, I was student body president my junior and senior year of high school. Um, In college, I was lead of the programming board, as well as the Buddhist meditation club. So to kind of rewind, I've always been a community builder. I've always been somebody who was a bridge and a connector. Now I was connecting between the worlds of spirituality and social justice. And I've always been somebody who loves to facilitate and loves to speak, you know, from student government that was like speaking on stage, giving, you know, speeches and motivations. And then in college, that kind of transitioned to leading the meditation club and, And then after college, teaching yoga and then understanding more about how to create sacred spaces and learning from different indigenous communities about what it what the sacred is, what it is to be sacred, what it is to connect with the sacred, what it is to be alive. Um, And I studied with indigenous communities in North Dakota um, and also the Winnemum-Wintu tribe up in um, the Mount Shasta area as well. So really learning, um, learning by experiencing, um, through these different indigenous communities about how to live a different way, how to live in a good way, how to walk humbly, how to walk in connection with the earth, how to walk in connection with fire, with water, with air and with our spirit. And that really deeply influenced me as well. And so, um, really from, from, from that period of time, I started then to create, uh, my own sacred spaces with different members in my community to hold space for people to just live more empowered lives. And then I went through, um, the most powerful ceremony of my life, which is giving birth to my first child, um, rhythm. And that was back in 2020. And from there, my purpose started shifting. Um, I started to really delve into this new um, role of mine, which was mother, and that became all-encompassing. And I stepped away from facilitating um, and from leading and more so was like, okay, how do I become a leader in my own home, in my own life? Um, Mm. But also, how do I give myself time to just integrate and understand who I am? Because now I've adopted this huge role of mother and... um, and I'm, I'm curious about who I am in this place. Um, and then I had my second daughter, Madrona, in 2021, so shortly after. Um, and after I had Madrona, I really had to step back and be like, okay, I know I have a big purpose here. And I know I, what I love to do, which is um, to support others and to be of service and to create these sacred experiences. Um, but how does that want to be channeled through me? And I really took the time about a year, um, to sit with the medicine of being a mom and being a mom of two young baby girls. Um, and then it just all started coming to me, these ideas about what mothers needed 
and how I could offer them that to them and how I could also embody that experience for them because we can Mm. talk a lot of talk and I can say a lot of things. Yes, I can say a lot of things to other people about how they should live or what advice I have, but the real medicine is going to be in how do I live it so people can be inspired from that place. And that that really actually clicked for me the other day. I got a, a text from one of my clients and she was saying, you know, and I was reading it to my husband and she was saying, you know, I was so tired last night, but I stayed up and I did the dishes after I put the baby down and took some time to take a shower and wash my hair. And then I got a good night's sleep and I woke up in the morning and I was so happy the kitchen was clean. And I was so happy that, um, that I took that time for myself, even though I was so tired and just wanted to go right to bed because the next day, everything seemed to be much more fluid and easier for me to navigate. And I feel so much better today. And it was funny because I was reading this text to my husband and he was like, that's exactly what you do. Like you, you stay up to take care of the house before putting the girls to bed and you, um, you know, take that time for yourself, even when you are tired so that the next day becomes easier. And I, I show that a lot on my Instagram and, and things and, and things because I want people to have a visual, in addition to my words, to really know this is this is how I live and why I live this way, and you have the opportunities to do the same. It's just shifting certain things in the in your perception of how you see um, yourself and your routines and your family. So, yeah, long long story short, that's kind of how I came to my work. There's a lot of other little things that happened in between that time. But I would say the bridge is that I've always been somebody who has been passionate about community, has been passionate about um, bringing people together, has been passionate about helping people live their most empowered life. And now as a mother, really seeing that um, mothers need that on such a deep level. We need that kind of support. We need to have other mothers that we can reflect with and connect with. Um, we need a space in which we can just be fully let go, not have to perform, not have to be super mom, not have to wear all the roles and the hats, but also a space in which we know that we can, that we are super and we can do all of these things and more. Um, and how do we do that from a place of filling our own cup? So that kind of overflows into everything else that we do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like right now, I do this for, I do the work that I do mostly for myself because I've really, another question I was journaling about today was, um, you know, what makes you feel powerful? And I feel powerful when I'm doing the work that I do with the mothers that I do it and with the families. It's, I work with mothers. I also sometimes work with couples. I'm doing uh, a ceremony for a bachelorette party in a couple of weeks where we're kind of taking what is normally, and it's, it's, it's a cool shift that I'm working with. I've been working with bachelorette parties and baby showers to not just have it be this kind of just place where you're just frivolously celebrating, which is, is fine. But how do we also honor that these are huge transitions for these women yeah. and these families to go through and really bring an intentionality to it so that these women can remember how much support and love that they have in these very pivotal times so that when it does get difficult in both marriage and also in familial life, that they have that memory to come back to, to refuel them throughout time. 
And, mm-hmm. and I think the reason, you know, I, I can do this work is because I've gotten poured into in this way. I, I'm very grateful that I've had mentors and friends and loved ones who have created these types of ceremonies for me and experiences for me so that I can continue to share that with the rest of the world. So I feel that in many ways I was, I was chosen to do, to do this work and I have a responsibility to, because I've have experienced the world in this way. Um, and it's fun and exciting to open that world up to other people too. That's so cool. It sounds like you found a space it is powerful to do normal day-to-day, keep the keep the place going. You know, the story you tell about, uh, I don't know if it's routine or whatever, you know, okay, let's get the dishes done and let's take care of ourselves a little bit before we go to bed. So, and, and how that, how that shows up the next morning in, okay, things are normal. You know, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's such a powerful story, bringing and drawing. It's not about you. It's you're drawing on, uh, it's like you're drawing on your spiritual energy to get that done. Um, you know, you're doing things in service to people and, and then have that to draw on instead of just, because it's so hard being a parent, especially, especially moms, but it's so hard being a parent of any kind where it's so hectic and out of control and things coming at you, that ability to, you know, keep a, keep a little bit of peace on the little things, which aren't the, which aren't those that little really, you know, that's a, that's a great, that's a great story. I enjoyed that. Thank <laughs> I'm you. glad. Thank you. And that pulls all yeah. kinds of things together. Yeah. It's like each of those little things kind of adds up and, um, and yeah, like you said, parenting in general just gets so overwhelming at times that it's like, yeah. how can you do those little things to shift your your mental space, your physical space to make things a little bit easier? I know for sure if I go to bed and there's a if there's a sink full of dishes that tomorrow is going to be exponentially harder for me because yeah. there's so much that has to get done in the morning. But also balancing, I, I like to be able to have that kind of routine and focus, but also balancing a feminine energy with it to encourage moms to also have those days where they let the dishes pile up and let things yeah. get messy and yeah. allow themselves to step back. And yeah. it's really about that the harmony of those two things and finding that balance of the days in which balance. you're going to be going to let things go and the days mm-hmm. in which you're going to stay committed to follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, and giving yourself permission to have both and be both and accept mm-hmm. all of yourself. Cause I think that's one of the hardest things that I've noticed with the mothers that I work with is accepting just the full capacity of who they are in both, uh, the beautiful moments and the hard moments and to not judge themselves on those hard moments or hard days. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's one of the hardest, that's one of the hardest parts is like, is letting the dishes go and not judging yourself when you do. That's so, yeah, I, so many things that I want to pull out of your story, but, um, I want to start with, with the community building because I feel like 
that is such a huge part of what we've really lost, especially during and after the pandemic. Um, but even before, even like with, with social media and things getting even like, you know, more and more, uh, on the go all the time and everyone's doing everything and everyone expects themselves to be productive constantly. Uh, we've become less and less about community and, uh, you know, in-person socialization and gathering, um, and, so I lo- I love that you're doing this and I also love how you talked about having the memory of it to look back on because and like when things are really hard remembering those moments where you connected to people in your life who who loved on you and cared for you and took care of you um and that helps you remember that you're not alone and that you have people to reach out to um and like I you you talked about mental illness the mental illness of people who are who are trying to change the world um and getting so burnt out themselves and i think a lot of people who go out trying to change the world it's be, almost because they have the mental the mental illness or the depression or the whatever like we can feel that society is falling apart and that's why we feel so motivated to change things I almost feel like, Shira, that you are, now that your population that you have come to work with as mothers, I feel like you are a healer of healers is where I was headed. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like you are a holder of people who are usually the ones holding space for children, for Mm -hmm. spouses, for households for making things Mm -hmm. run and keeping the wheels greased and and there is such a huge need for that there's a huge need for everyone to have more community and more support and more gathering and more joy and relaxation time um and ritual and i and ritual is another piece that i wanted to pull out of that is that we've lost so much ritual that we used to have as, as, as human beings. Um, and we all, we brush it off as like not important. We don't need to make a big deal out of these things or this thing or that. And the transition into marriage, into parenthood, into like these big life transitions used to be, and there are some things in some cultures and some holidays and some, you know, that celebrate certain rites of passage. But so often I feel like motherhood is just expected. Like that's, oh, well, that's just what you do. Like we've lost the awe and the power that it takes to actually bring a soul across the veil (laughs) into the physical world. It's like, I'm a fucking portal to the other Mm -hmm. side, man. And also like laboring for 25 hours and the pain that women endure and like it's pain that, that a non-birthing person will never experience. You'll never know that power. You'll never know what it took. You'll never know the internal strength as well as the external strength that it took to, to achieve something like that. And then to immediately be depended upon to keep something alive, to keep that thing alive, and thriving. Um, 
yeah, just so many, so many different pieces. I had, I was really excited when I talked to you back in March because I had my first ceremony uh, that was like a, it was like a women's circle um, prior to getting married. And um, I did, I did a bachelorette party, but then I had one of my bridesmaids wasn't able to go um, because she was postpartum and she offered instead, I don't know if instead is the right word, but she wanted to provide a uh, despacho ceremony. Um, and so she and, and a couple of my other bridesmaids came and they made these, you know, it was candles and flowers and flower petals and, and finger foods. And, um, she brought me this gorgeous, um, rainbow hand dyed from South America, I think it's Guatemala, um, wrap that could be used for anything, but eventually it could be used for, to carry a child. Um, for a child. Cool. And just all these beautiful, like yummy things. And they did this ceremony where each of them, you know, told me what my, what strengths about me and, you know, were inspiring to them. And, um, at the very end, they drew me a bath, like this gorgeous, you know, petals floating on water and floating candles and, you know, salts and oils. And just like, I felt like a queen and like, that is a, that is a memory that it carried me across the threshold of committing my heart and soul to this other human being. And, you know, I, I got advice from that ritual. I gained perspective on their marriages and what I was stepping into. And, um, so many, just so many pieces that I carry with me still and will carry for the rest of my life as kind of an anchor for when things get hard or things get confusing. And I know Mm -hmm. that each of those women I can, and at the drop of a hat, I can reach out to and be like, look, this is what I'm struggling with. And they will have a listening ear and a loving response and probably some really good advice. Um, Yeah. And I think mothers. Yeah. There's something very rooting about that kind of thing. Yes. You You can go back to it and, and, and hearken back to it and yeah, a passage or a rite. Absolutely. That's a, that's a tremendous gift. I'm so glad that you got to experience that. That's very similar to the types of ceremonies that we hold for mother's blessings and, and other, other rites of passage. And I think that, you know, I think it totally changes somebody's life when they get poured into in that way. It's, you know, you were saying that, you know, people don't even like what I've noticed with mothers and and women in general is that they don't like, they don't want to be the center of the tension. They don't want to take up space and they're so afraid to do that. And then it's like, they, they had this opportunity to step in Mm. and receive. And that's the key, especially for women and especially for mothers. Yeah. Because it's interesting. Mm. I, a lot shifted for me when I understood that feminine energy, we think feminine energy, the root of it is, is being a giver. 
because mm-hmm. a lot of feminine energy in our societies is all about giving. We're nurturers, we're givers. The real root of feminine energy is receptivity because yes. you can only really truly give from a place of how much you can receive. And yes. so in these ceremonies, it's an opportunity for who's ever being blessed or who is ever being, you know, initiated to step back and just receive, right? Just receive all that yummy, nourishing, delicious food. Receive the beautiful, intentional gifts. And most of all, receive those words of wisdom and words of affirmation. And every ceremony that I've done for... For somebody, the most empowering part they say is when we have that circle and each person in their life says a memory, affirmation, wisdom to them. Because we go by in our life so many times and we don't pause enough to tell the people in our life how much they mean to us and how much of an impact they have had on our lives, right? Um, And so, you know, we have to shut out all that noise. Ceremony gives us the opportunity to shut everything else out and be radically present with ourselves and the Mm. people that we're with and spirit source, Allah, Hashem, whatever you want to call that, that bigger entity. Um, and it really stops time so that we can drop in. And I always tell you know, all of my clients and friends and family that like everything we do in life, all the hours we work in our job, the dishes, the running around, the grocery shopping, all those things are so that we can have moments like this. Because there was a time when this was just the way of life and the way that we were living Mm -hmm. with one another. Yeah. And so when you have kids, you're, you have the opportunity to realize that you're constantly in a form of ceremony. Because they're radically mm. present all yeah. the time. Yeah. And it takes and I and my work a lot of the times is how do I help moms to drop in so that they're not overwhelmed with all that outside noise and can drop into the ceremony with their child to look at their child in the eye and really receive that wisdom that's coming from their eyes, mm. that's coming from the way that they see the world, that's coming from the way that they speak about the world, that they smell things, that they touch things, right? Children are such sensory beings. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times you could joke and say, like, you know, children, it's like they're always tripping on mushrooms or something, but they're, yes. in, their own, <laughs> they're in their own ceremony, right? Very wise, yes. yeah. And so... And they say that that connection stays with children till they're about seven years old, and then they start to acclimate to the world and and yeah. start to to lose that connection. And it's interesting because I feel like then the rest of our lives, we're always right. You know, wanting to be an adult so badly. Yeah, and I was like. Kids are always wanting to be adults, and adults are always wanting to try and harness that inner Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. Yes. So as mothers, as parents, we have that opportunity to really relive our own childhood experience through that connection with our child. And ceremony, ritual, connection, remembering how sacred our children are, how sacred this experience of motherhood is, parenthood is. Um, really helps in that process, but it can be very overwhelming because there's a lot that also comes in this modern capitalist world that takes us and pulls us away from all of that very intentionally. So, yeah. um, 
So, yeah, but I, you know, I'm just so glad you got to experience that and that you have friends and loved ones who were able to provide that for you. And I think that's the real gift. It's like once you've experienced it, now you have an obligation for that next friend who gets married, for that Mm -hmm. next mother who Mm -hmm. is conceiving or even for you know i'm really excited having two daughters for them to start menstruating and be able to have a rites of passage for them when they you know get their period for the first time um where uh, traditions come from exactly that, right right this was a this was an impactful thing for me and i'd like to provide that for the next person you know yeah exactly exactly thing. yeah and it's just it's exciting because um also, these rites of passage and, and ceremonies remind us the importance of celebration, too, and yeah. um, celebrating big moments in time, like becoming a parent, a mother, getting married, but also celebrating the everyday. That's something that I really encourage in my clients is every day to find something that you're celebrating mm-hmm. about yourself. Yeah. Um, because you have done so much probably in your day that just feels like normal or feels like, oh, no big deal. But this is huge. Like even getting up in the morning right. is huge. <laughs> um, it's amazing. And Sometimes, something that we take advantage yeah. of. Yeah. And, um, and then also something that I encourage in, in families and in, in my clients who are married or in partnership is to end each day, if you can, with your partner in acknowledgement. Or some moment mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm acknowledging you for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And again, it could be something small, like I'm acknowledging you for making dinner tonight. It was so delicious. Or something bigger, you know, I'm acknowledging you for really committing to yourself. I see how much your patience has developed. And I know you were really working on that. Because once again, I think so much of us are just looking for that affirmation Mm-hmm. from other people in our life to say, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Yes. And that can be really hard as a yeah. as a parent and as a mother because sometimes you don't feel like you're doing a good job. Your kid's constantly having a tantrum or the laundry's always piling up or you never get time for yourself. You never make that time. And yeah. so it's it can mothering, parenting can some sometimes you can have those blinders on where you're like just got to get to the next thing, just got to do, got to stay focused. And then you take those off and you can really see the full picture of what's happening. That's, yeah. the, that's the great thing about what you were describing about kids is, you know, the new mind, the new mind thing, the sign over my head is Shoshin is new mind, I think. And, beginner's and mind. kids, beginner's mind. And everything is, everything's new to them. You know, they don't, it's, it's, so they draw attention. The, the value is they go, oh, look, a butterfly or whatever. And what you're just describing there is, is bringing our attention back to the now. You know, we get, we get filters. I lived next to train yes. tracks for a few years and got to the point where I didn't notice when, and it would just thunder and rattle the place and got to the place after a very short time where you didn't notice the trains go by. Mm. And then you'd be sitting there to have a, have a friend over and we'd be sitting and talking and they're like, how do you live with this? It's what? Oh, oh, oh yeah. And oh yeah, the train went by, you know, that's, Growing up, we learned to filter things out to a tremendous degree. You know, oh, we got long-term goals, right? And stopping ourselves, having a ritual or a, a, 
uh, daily of an affirmation, you know, bringing it back to real and say this was a good day and maybe gratitude and and let's and an affirmation for somebody else, you know, thanks for what you did today and not and get rid of the blinders, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit and get let get here and now. Yeah, those are those are great. Yeah. Another practice I really like that I learned from Abraham Hicks was at the end of the day, writing a list of all the things I liked and enjoyed about this day. I was doing yeah. that for a long time and that was really okay. nice. Kind of like a gratitude list, but it, looking back at my journals, I was like, oh yeah, it's like, it made me look more at like the finer details of things. Like, oh, I really yeah. liked that conversation I had with this person. Or I really liked the way that person held the door for me or I like- the way that the wind blew that time, you know? I like yeah. that almost makes it easier to make the gratitude list. When you said that, my brain mm-hmm. just went, oh, that sounds so much easier than finding things I'm grateful for. Like, because it's always, right, three things you're grateful for every day. Like, that's like, right. that's like the thing to do. And yes, that's a wonderful practice. And it can be really powerful, especially if you're like really struggling or something. But the the simplicity of things I liked or enjoyed feels that feels very different to me than gratitude. And even though the things I liked and enjoyed, I am grateful for it's easier Mm -hmm. in my brain to write 25 things I liked and enjoyed versus 25 things I'm grateful for. I don't know why it just feels more complicated and less less lofty or something. Yeah. Yeah, Something, but the, but the kids go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say it takes those like just those perspective shifts sometimes to really make something more accessible for ourselves and others. And I really love that. Um, I did want to speak to one thing if I can before absolutely um, moving forward. So I did mention something about celebration and I want to honor that. I also want to honor that these ceremonies a huge part of these ceremonies and opportunities for people and the work that I do is around grief as well. And the, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the union between, um, celebration and grieving the union between birthing this next iteration of yourself, whether it's as a mother, as a wife, you know, as a newly menstruating individual, whatever it is. And then, also the death process that happens as well and to create sacred spaces not just for people to be to celebrate but also for people to feel safe enough to feel some of those heavier and um heavier emotions and experiences and to be able to do so in community, I think is so important because so many of us grieve and are in sorrow alone. And I've gotten through, you know, the death of loved ones through communal grieving ceremonies and support. And I think that's so necessary, especially for mothers because of the transformation that happens when they go from being a maiden to a mother or even going from being a mother of one child to being a mother of two children and really honoring that there is a rebirth experience that occurs um, and that there will be very hard and heavy days ahead um, and that you have this infinite amount of 
wisdom and strength that have come from generations of people who have done this before you that are living in your blood, in your DNA, um, in your womb, um, that are here with you now to support you and just bringing a sense of normalcy to the fact that grieving is just a part of the human experience and that we are, that you, you know, I think for mothers, it can be really hard because you're like, I'm supposed to be happy. I just had Mm -hmm. this, this is what I wanted, or I just had this baby. And you know, there's all these expectations for me to bounce back and to be happy and to be glowing and beautiful and all these things. And actually I just feel so much and nowhere to be affirmed in feeling all those feelings or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, I got a post on Instagram, this really cute picture of my kid, but really behind the scenes, I'm sobbing my eyes out. My mm-hmm. nipples hurt because I've been breastfeeding all day. <laughs> and I'm really insecure about the weight that I've gained through this experience. And it's like, wow, that's so much for you to hold in addition to all the hormones that, um, you know, all the shifts mm-hmm. in the, your hormones. And I want you to know you're not alone in that. Many of us are feeling that way or have felt that way. And, um, and that's okay. And if you do need advice, you know, not getting unsolicited, but if you do need advice, here's my experience with this and here's how I navigated through it. And that's why I also really believe in in necessity and something that I'm working to build with mama's wisdom. And my next coaching program is to create intergenerational spaces of learning Mm. for mothers and for families, because I think that's something that we're, missing in our society is that wisdom from the grandmothers, from the great grandmothers of Mm -hmm. how they moved through times that were hard and how, um, and how to care for ourselves and for our loved ones. And that's not things you're going to read in books, right? Their broader experience. They can share their broader experience, not only their personal experience, but their interactions through years and years with other people. You know, it's very it's very powerful when you're having a hard time for somebody to go, yeah, and not to minimize it, you know, but yes, that happens, and it's a real thing. It's not you being crazy, and you know, just a, I guess that's an affirmation of, yep, this is a hard time. What can I do to help? You know, yeah. I mean, even this podcast is an intergenerational space, right? You doing yeah. this with your father, that yeah. is an intergenerational experience. And I think that's really valuable because you have your perspective of everything that's happening in your world and your generation. And then your father has all of his wisdom from being on this planet longer and the experiences that he's had that are unique to him. So overall, I just really advocate for most spaces I think should be intergenerational. We should have more spaces that are accessible to young children and elders to be sharing space together, right? A lot of experiences like, you know, at this age, you go to a bar. At this age, you go to a club. At this age, you go to the playground. At this age, you go to, you know, I don't even know what people, what elders, where elders go and hang out, you know? So I think we do need more accessible places for there to just be more communal learning from different generations. Because just like we can learn from our children, there's so much wisdom that our elders can teach us too about what it means to be a parent and we might and I also think it's it's important because I think there's conversations where we might not agree I recently yeah. held a, a mother circle that was an intergenerational 
space and we had some differing opinions about discipline and about, you know, just raising children and what we feel is appropriate versus what, you know, people of different generations felt were appropriate. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I think it's also really important to have conversations in spaces where people aren't agreeing (laughs) about the ways that we're supposed to do things and how we learn from those disagreements as well. Jenny has spoken before about uh, uh, grandma and grandpa having different ideas than mom and dad on what's going on, you know. And it is important to keep in mind that, you know, what what I think is a good idea, it's a different world, you know. It's been 30 or 40 years since I was raising kids, and the world changes. And so you got to keep a, you got to keep an open mind. Things change. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, at the same time, it's like you did a phenomenal do- job with your daughter, obviously, right? I like to right? think so. And it wasn't so... just me. <laughs> but I have to remember that sometimes, too, because I we live in an intergenerational space. We live with my parents yeah. right now. They're helping us out with our two daughters. And, and it can be definitely confrontational, right? I have very differing values sometimes in my own parents about these things. And then I have to step back sometime and remember, like, well, they, they also did raise me and yes, things were not perfect, but I came out to be how I am. And there is a level of respect and, um, honoring of their ways that I, I should have. And then also they raised me to be an independent and fiercely passionate radical thinker. So I'm going to also have a different (laughs) way of doing things as well. So it's definitely that. There's the learning, there's honoring, like honoring your parents and respecting the way that they raised you and the values and you carry some of that with you. And then on your own journey through adulthood, prior to having children, you learn new and, and different and possibly better ways of doing things. And your children are different than you. And so there's different, like, I, I say this a lot. And I've said it a lot lately in a lot of conversations that I've been having is that it's not either or it's both. And like, Mm. and that's where things like grief and, and conflict and all of those things that are generally seen as negative experiences, like normalizing those things and make in, and being like, these things are, are part of life. They're going to happen. And we need to stop sweeping them under the rug or trying to avoid them all of the time and just face them head on and learn the skills necessary to navigate them. And that is something through these communities that you've created. Not only are you holding space for women and transition and all of those things and creating community and creating relationship, but you are also normalizing the darker pieces and being like, life doesn't, isn't just this or that it's both. And it's, Mm -hmm. you have a baby and it's a miracle and it's beautiful. And you you're being ushered into this new space and new version of yourself. You're being upgraded. You're being, you have all this wisdom and knowledge and strength and you're grieving a part of yourself that is, that is no longer. Yeah. You, you, that chapter has ended and how can we hold all of those things in this same space together and how can we hold it together in relationship and yes. community yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah yes. that's, that's the real value those words like community and village and 
you know, yeah. pack of wolves or whatever it is, you know, we're all, we're stronger as groups, you yes. know, where you can, where you have access. I think what that really is, is, is access to broader experience. You know, mm-hmm. if, if there's, if someone's having a problem and there's a hundred people looking at it instead of one or two, mm-hmm. um, odds are uh, you're going to get, you're going to get through that a little better or at least have options. You know, you've got the, you've got the support. It's, uh, it's very important. And I, I guess in my mind, that always, that always was an intergenerational thing. It's not mm. a bunch of 22 year old mothers, you know, it's grandmas and, and with yeah. kids running around and, and, you know, it's always got multiple generations. It's so important. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I love the one, one thing, one other thing that I wanted to, well, I've lost it. So actually go ahead, dad. There's so many. I know. Um, No, it's not your fault. I I lost it. I know. You're going you're gonna to book you for about four more sessions here. Right? Sure. I'm here for it. Uh, this is um, another thing that makes me feel powerful, so I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, well, now I've lost my train of thought. You mentioned, what were you talking <laughs> about? Did I actually write it down? This is how this is how Jenny and I work. We're both a little eight. I love that. Here. I love this because it's, it's funny because I'm like, oh, this is like, this is why I this is the necessity of editing, but it also makes it more relaxed because we don't have to be like, yeah, always it's not scripted. Yeah. It's not like yeah. we're all reading the same bullet points or anything yeah. going down. Oh, shoot. Just... it was a good, it was an interesting point to, uh, to me anyway, tribalism. It'll come back at the, I'll text it to you if it doesn't come back till tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Um, I start, I started to talk about this, but I want to touch on it again. Um, something that you and I talked about Shira, when we chatted on the phone was the, not just the ushering of a new baby. Um, and you know, you said that there's a birth, there's a birth of a child. There's also a birth of a mother. in in the first child. And then there's Mm. in the second child and beyond, there's a birth of a birth of a mother of two, a birth of a mother of three. Like those women are all different people. And as you birth that new part of yourself, there's also a releasing, a letting go of, and potentially a grieving of who you were prior to that, who you, who you were as the mother, who you were as the maiden who could devote herself to her spouse or partner who could go do anything on a whim, you know, exercise, endless energy, you know, whatever, um, the, you know, the body that you had and all of these different things. And there's a releasing of that as you step into motherhood, like your body is going to change. Your hormones are going to change there. There's a whole journey in the perinatal space. And then afterwards where you've graduated into, you know, full motherhood. And there's, there's, there's a shift in your, um, either your relationship with your co-parent, um, you know, marriages and partnerships change and evolve when a a child is born. And there, so there might be a grieving of what your, what your relationship was before the baby came and what it looks like now. And 
there, there's just something so multifaceted and powerful in that, that it's not just now I'm a mom and I, and I've lost everything else beforehand. Um, or now I weigh, you know, 20 pounds more and have, you know, a postpartum belly. Um, and everyone's always trying to get back to that, get back to my, get my body back, get my relationship back, mm-hmm. get my, my freedom mm-hmm. back, get the all these things ways. back. And it's like, exactly. like whoa, 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 let's stop fighting this war against yourself. Mm-hmm. How can we, how, like, how are we ushering people across these major transitions and thresholds? Like there's, there's very little honoring of that anymore. And the wisdom that comes through, like you said, from the older generations to let the, the new generation, the new transitioner know, like, this is what it's going to feel like. This might be what it looks like. This is, these are, might be the feelings that come up. This might be the grief that you're holding and you're not alone and you're not crazy. And like, this is, this is how it's supposed, you know, this is normal. This is how it's supposed to be. This is not wrong. Yeah, this is just different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, something that I like to to tell my clients and, and friends who have just become mothers is, you know, it's not about bouncing back. It is about yeah. flying forward. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. in order to fly, it's kind of like um, a bow and arrow. Like you're kind of being pulled back mm. in order to fly forward. Yes. And, or it can feel that way sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and just, yeah, I mean, I think we t- touched upon this and then, um, Papa Rick brought it up briefly, um, about the imaginal cells and this idea of flying forward came to me through the process of a butterfly and how a butter how a butterfly is created, right? It it's first a caterpillar, and it's like in its caterpillar phase, and it's like eating everything in sight. Which like postpartum, <laughs> at least for me, I was just like eating everything, and that is such an important part of actually the postpartum experience is for the mother or the birthing person to be eating really nutrient dense food for themselves. Yeah. And if they are choosing to breastfeed for their baby as well, you're eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. Mm-hmm. And then right next, the caterpillar starts to go in its cocoon, which I kind of envision the mother like in her bed, in all her blankets, probably unable to really walk or move since you just gave birth yeah. kind of in that phase. For me, it was a lot of tears because my hormones were all over the place because everything was so new because when I had a second child, my to- my first one was going through toddlerhood and it was so overwhelming and everything just feels like this dark place and yeah. overwhelming sensation. And at the same time, when the, when the butterfly goes, when the caterpillar goes through that, there's this experience of something that's called the imaginal cells. And I haven't looked at it in a while. It's something that I always have to kind of refresh my memory on. But I believe the imaginal cells, what happens is in order for the caterpillar to transform into the butterfly, these like new cells are created that are imagining something different from what it was before. And at first, 
I think the caterpillar starts to attack these cells because it's like a foreign entity. Um, Mm. And then, um, and then the imaginal cells kind of take over and that helps the process of the caterpillar transform into the butterfly. And I really think if we think about motherhood in that way of like, you're going to go into the cocoon, you're going to go into the darkness, but darkness, I don't like to think about light and dark as opposites of each other. I think I like to think about light and heavy as opposites of each other, but I think darkness is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And, Darkness is like the womb and darkness is like a cocoon and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so anything, without darkness, there can't be the light, right? Exactly. And that we shouldn't be running away from darkness, right? Beautiful things happen in the dark mm-hmm. and, um, to delve into that experience of our dark night of the soul, right? That's an expression a lot of folks yeah. use about this this experience of rebirth. So, so to go back into that womb space and in that womb space, in those harder moments, finding those glimmers of hope, those imaginal cells, imagining what you want to be different in yourself, in your life, not what it was before. You're not going to go back to being a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. And as a caterpillar, you didn't even know how good it could be as a butterfly. Yeah. But in the process, in between, you had this opportunity to imagine where you could possibly go and be. Mm -hmm. And so in the spaces that I create for moms, we do a lot of that imaginal work, a lot of that Mm -hmm. envisioning. And But first, we do a lot of the releasing to create the space to even be able to see and not see with yes. our eyes, but tap into that deeper wisdom of our soul and what the universe is calling upon for us in this next iteration of ourselves. And I can say that I am the strongest I've ever been physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, the most well-nourished, the most grounded, um, and the most in love with myself. And that, I think, can ha- that has been the gift of motherhood for me. And I think that should and could be the experience for every mother if they have the right support um, to, cre- to, to, to just to be, to be in their yeah. postpartum experience, right? Some mothers have to go back to work after six weeks. Where do you have yeah. time? Or to sooner. Grieve. Where do you have time yeah. to yeah. be in the mood? Right. Or sooner. You know, some mothers are completely unknown. They have no partner. They have no family. They have nobody else lifting them up. I've you know, nobody else going, to lean on. Giving birth no, and going back no to work the next day because they don't have anyone no. else paying their bills. I'm like, how? Yeah. How are you even walking? Like, how? Yeah. Where, then where is your baby? So like, it's like... What, most- like most exactly it's, it's mostly in the united states exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. mostly in the united states yeah. well yeah. i mean and there's a lot of there's I'm a lot sure of all... mining and slave labor that occurs elsewhere but yeah well yes. sure yeah <laughs> yes but good a lot point. of it good point yeah no and the thing is that we've it's intentionally designed to fail mothers because mm-hmm. the whole system because once you know, failing, failing our mothers is the backbone of, you know, our whole society, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, 
if we if we nourished the mother and supported the mother, then the mother could actually take care of the children. Then the children could really be raised to live a full life, and then it trickles out into everything else. That's why I'm always about, you know, it's it's amazing a baby is born and how do we support this baby, but more so how do we support this mother so they can support their baby? Yes, because mm-hmm. the mother mm-hmm. knows best what this baby needs. Yes. Yes. But we need to be able to make sure that the mother is okay so that the baby always gets what they need directly from the source of where they came from. And so, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I think. I don't think it's so much yeah. anti mom, right, as disregard. You know, it's just, we don't. Letting, take, letting mean, a woman rest doesn't make anyone money. Letting a woman be a mother. Well doesn't make anyone money yeah. is what happens. That's the modern yeah. capitalist version of yeah. that. Right. That's probably true. You know, if I, I always like There's to no go space back 5,000 hum- years for being human inside of this. capitalism. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's and neglect. That's where activists, that's where we need activists to bring that stuff back. And there Change is some things. beautiful, beautiful organizations and people doing amazing work to, to do that on a systematic level and also all the way down to just like the personal one-on-one. And we need all that. We need the people who are just working with mothers and families like myself on that one-on-one level. And then we also need the people who are helping to make those systematic changes because that is really, really necessary as well. Cause there's um, just the way that the whole system's operating right now. It's, it's not, a way for families to thrive and we yeah. we want and need families yeah. to not just be scraping by to to survive some families aren't even able to survive in this climate but yeah. how do we create environments not just for survival but for thrival like to be able to thrive and, and fly right like to well, be those butterflies that's, that's a where, whole social commentary there. Like uh, <laughs> I talked to thing. so many I talked to so many parents and I'm like yeah relational parenting like gentle and kind and patience and all of those things. And these words are so foreign because we are not the way that society is constructed is not conducive to parents, to mothers, Mm -hmm. fathers Mm -hmm. and everything in between. Mm -hmm. No one is pouring into parents, like, like being a human being and Mm -hmm. reproducing, like everyone just wants you you know, to be a cog in their machine. And if you have to take time off to be a human being, I lose money. And part of this whole relational parenting, like the podcast and all the things that I'm trying to do and that you're trying to do, Shira, is pour into parents so that they can be present with their children, so that they can raise kids in a way that is human and intuitive and present and loving and kind. And like, because when, when society and jobs and expectations and productivity and, uh, we got to do the dishes, we got to cook, we got to do this. And there's no, no time to do any of it. We're all, we're just barely making rent. Like, everything is in fast forward instead of like the present moment and in actually enjoying and sinking into life and having the energy yeah. to celebrate the big transitions, etc. And something that you said earlier about the feminine energy um, of 
a lot like women and mothers and you know wives the archetype is that we are givers and something that I have had I have had to undo in my own relationship and in my own inside of my own self is open up to being a receiver actually the feminine Mm -hmm. is the portal is the open cup is the chalice like the woman is the receiver to be poured into so that we can create life we literally create life when we are poured into we create life we create a home out of a house we create a meal out of ingredients we create and we are like we keep the schedule going we keep everyone organized we keep everyone together and bonded and and you know just like we are the creators and if but if we are not well nourished emotionally mentally physically spiritually then we cannot create an abundant, thriving life, household, children. Like everyone suffers when the mother suffers. And as a society, we've just absolutely forgotten that. Yeah, absolutely. Forget how it works. You know, you can't, you can only go so far on your own energy, your own strength. You know, if you can't, if you don't have some means of tuning into uh, other people, support of other people, a spiritual side that at least gets your, you know, jazzes up your psychic side, you know, your internal spirituality that enables you to feed others, right? Put on your own mask before you put your oxygen mask before you, you know, work on your kids. Um, we forget how important that is just to just to life, just to survival and how much better it can be. Mm-hmm. The, the, the world, the modern, <clears throat> the modern industrial world is about creating drones for factories and offices. You know, it is not about us. It is about, it is yeah. about indust- the industrial society. So what, what we're doing, you know, uh, collectively is a reaction to that. You know, okay, so we see it, we see a need, and so we try to correct it. And it would be nice if society would fix that for us, but I wouldn't hold your breath. I think we need to keep doing what we're doing, and eventually that'll turn into a grassroots thing, maybe, and things will things will change. But we need a lot of pressure on the powers that, on city hall, you know, to to affect that. In the meantime, we're leaning on each other and building communities. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you were talking about being um, like women being these creators and these portals and how we create life, right? And something that I always love to pour into my mamas is that like the same energy that you created life with, you can create the life that you want with. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but we can't create that from a place of being depleted, which many of us are working from. So how do we fill our cups up? so that we can tap into that creative energy so that you can create also the dreams that you want to create. And it's just so wild. And I had this experience too, of how we go through this powerful experience of birth, the most powerful thing that we're going to do, like that human beings do. And then like almost instantly we forget how powerful we are almost instantly. It's like, Oh, I just did this really powerful thing. Oh, and then like all the insecurities, like well, you're too busy. Come, yeah, it's like all right. Oh, we got to eat. We got to be warm. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, how do we, 
how do we help mothers, women, people remember um, how powerful they are? Also, just being born in this world. Like, I also like to think about how the baby is extremely powerful as well to go through this really tight portal and come into this world. So like we all did that as well. And yeah. so we were all born and, you know, some people don't make it through that experience as well. Yeah. So there is a power in that. Um, and like, just a like passage. you said, yeah, a passage. And just like you said, Papa Rick about like, we we get too, there's too many things that we get too busy right away. And it's like, that's why these ceremonies and why these moments in time of slowing down, just like your trip, that trip you just took are so important. Yeah. The slowing down is essential because yeah. we're entrained. Yeah. Entrained is like a new concept that I learned about recently. Entrainment was um, created by this Dutch physicist who is watching pendulums swing and realized that when you bring two oh, pendulums yeah. close together, they swing at the same pace and in the same direction and he noticed that also with like heart cells if you bring two heart cells together they start beating in the same way and so we realize that everything is every energy is being entrained chaos theory and everything is entrained thank you very much you know exactly so what are we yeah. What are we entraining our energy to? What are we not consciously entraining our energy to? So it's like the world is chaotic. And so a lot of the time we fall into that entrainment of chaos. And how do we shift from being in being entrained mm-hmm. to being the one who is in training, which I'm sure is a mm-hmm. lot to do with relational parenting as well. Of Like what I think about a lot of times with my toddlers now is like, okay, you all are having the tantrum right now and I can start to have the tantrum too with you, start to be entrained yeah. to your energy with you. Yes. Or I can be the mountain in this situation. Yeah. I can be the rock, the tree. Yeah. Yes. And you can entrain to my energy yes. right now. That is exactly. everything. Yeah. Exactly. So. Be in charge of the yeah. energy in the room. Yeah. It's not easy. (laughs) It's also with other parents, though. Like if your friend circle of parents are are people who let the kids decide the energy in the room or they succumb to the children's energy every time something mass, you know, big emotions happen, then you are that much more likely. It's 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 not even that much more likely. You are 95 percent likely going to copy their behavior and the way that they raise their children. So if you are not surrounded by people who can be calm in the storm of their children's emotions and who you are talking to regularly and, you know, chatting about parenting or venting or whatever, the people, you know, the five people closest to you has been well studied. The five people you spend the most time with are the ones you're going to act like, just like in mm-hmm. training, you will entrain each an other. Accident. And so if, Choose if your friends well, your five closest friends are parenting in a, an aggressive shouting, you know, meltdown kind of way with their kids, then you are 95% likely going to be that kind of parent too. And yeah. so, yeah, anyway, the entrainment, that's such yeah. a fascinating 
they're starting to prove so many things in physics theory now that mm-hmm. we've known spiritually for hundreds of thousands of years. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just hey, like, the uh, the maybe they'll works. see now. Maybe they'll see now. Like we've known it for a long time. We can exactly. There are people who don't want to admit there is something bigger than themselves. This all flows from, you know, a community to the individual or the universe into a spirituality. And there are people who are closed off. You were talking before about receptivity. You know, without receptivity, if you're closed off to whatever the source is, then you fail mm. to, you can shut, you get as a spigot to, I mean, stuff, uh, a coconut can fall and hit you in the head, you know, it can impinge, but if you're not open to it, you don't really grow from it and recognize it. And, uh, you know, it's not of value to the, uh, to your community. You know, you haven't learned anything. So mm-hmm, absolutely. Yes. There are those patterns and rhythms. That's I think that all gets back to rituals and rites. And it's good to have a collect, a community around you that remembers that you're going through something. And so it's time for this ritual, you know, yes. just because I'm in the middle, just because I'm overwhelmed doesn't mean the other hundred people in the village are overwhelmed. And it's mm-hmm. good to have the grandmas doing things and keeping, keeping some order. There's always some order in the universe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that value part, I think is very important. Very important. Um, I've realized to the work that I do like in, in many different ways, first in just how we build healthy habits as a family is all going to be rooted from our values. So I always have my clients really reflect on first, what are your, what are your values? What is your value with, what are your, your values in your relationship with your partner? What are your family values? That's how you actually build your habits and your routines and check in with that. And then the, also the other element of value is like having mothers, families, people understand the value in pouring into mothers and pouring into and yeah. in creating these spaces for mothers, yeah. because that's where I've had to bridge is like with even getting clients is like first having the mothers understand that they are first valuable enough to take this time Mm -hmm. for themselves. Mm -hmm. And also that this work that we do together is valuable. Yeah. Because people will invest in what they think is valuable. That hit me the other day when I realized that people are paying $1,500 for nosebleed seats at a Taylor Swift concert. And I'm not judging those people. I just realized that's what they value. So they're going to pay what that the first money. row cost. If I if I'm not, <laughs> right. I'd be lucky to scrape the fifteen hundred together. Right. Oh my god! Exactly. Yeah, take what you can yeah. get. So yeah. if if people are about, so it's like, how do we get people to value the work that we're doing and how necessary it is, and then understand that there it is worthy of investing in themselves, yeah, um, and in their families because they are worth it. Yeah. And so value is so important too. There's so Sometimes many jobs that we've an talked advantage about. Of old people, because they, you know, hopefully they've gotten to a point where they can sit back and watch a little. They're not quite so busy chasing rugrats right. around, <laughs> right? You know, and they can sit back and see that, uh, hey, there's a parent that uh, could use a lesson or, you know, we should hang out with. And, yeah. Yeah. See, you know, monitor some of that larger picture stuff, maybe, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, and mothers, mothers and fathers and all other identifying parent names value 
spending money that the parents that I have talked to will drop any amount of money to make their child's life better. They will send them to the right camp. They will send them to the right tutor, the right teacher, the right school, the right whatever to help their kid's life be better. Yes. But so many, if you ask a parent, what is their number one value? It's taking care of my kid, making sure my kid has a good life. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, what if I told you that you being healthy and nourished and happy and like all of you, like you being put together, you having the services and supports and community that you need is the number one determining factor of how well your child's life goes. Number one, don't be overwhelmed. The quality of you, of you, the quality of your presence in your child's life will determine their life quality forever. Mm, It will set the foundation for 18 plus years into adulthood. That is the number one determining factor of, of life satisfaction is the quality of your relationships. And it starts with the parent child relationship at birth. And, but parents do not like nobody, it's not well known because it's not a part of our society. Everyone right. believes that if they get their kid the right education or the right this or the right that, and like, yes, those are also factors. Those are also valid goals and values and wonderful things and good intentions. But the number one thing that we overlook constantly is your the way you show up for your child. Mm-hmm. And in order for you to show up for your child, you have to have the supports in the community and show up for yourself first. Yes. You kind of have to teach yourself. It's not taught formally in this society, you know. COVID, it's about whatever, to be we're, we're right. disconnected. <laughs> well, so we have you have to go I'm looking trying. for it. In a small yeah. tribe, you know, there's a matchmaker or whatever, you know, there's these roles sitting living right next door to you and you're all much more connected. And now we're getting disconnected and so parents parents are kind of going through a time where they are while in the midst of being overwhelmed they're being asked to go seek and find this stuff and having to do it more for themselves you know it's hard to believe we don't teach this and we're going to have formal education it's hard to believe we don't teach this you know making making better families uh intentionally you know yeah well maybe this will be um Maybe Jennifer can start making this into a curriculum. That is, that's the yeah, that's the community I'm trying to create. Is I've actually got the YMCA. I'm starting to collaborate with the local YMCA because there's such a huge roadblock to parents being able to access this information in an educational setting, in a group setting, in a community setting, building a village locally, not just online, which is also incredibly valuable to have anyone yes. anywhere in the world Both. to yeah. reach out to. Um, but I've decided that my focus needs to be local right now. And I'm going to start partnering with all the YMCAs all over Colorado. And I've already written out the flyers and everything um, and start because the YMCA can provide trusted background checked, trained child yes. care that is free or like close to it. And there is no stress of finding a babysitter, paying a babysitter there's no planning the date. I'm setting up parents' nights at the Y. All you have to do is show up, and it's low cost. Childcare is included. Just That's show amazing. up. Amazing. Drop your kids, your kids off. Like I've removed 
every yes, roadblock exactly. I possibly can for you. Like, <laughs> let's get together. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like, we need to fly Jennifer out here to Philly and all over. So hopefully, you know, because that's Boy, any, any major city, you know, where it's, it's that much tougher for parents on average, yeah. you know, would that would be a good thing. Well, you'll have to you'll have to have branch offices, franchises. That's yeah. where you go. Start well, training other people. Yeah, training and have it. I mean, online. Yeah, everything. The expansion will happen, but I've decided. I'm like, <laughs> I need to quit. My value. One of my values is community, in person community, yeah. and power. There is yeah. so much power that happens when people gather, and that is that's the whisper of intuition that has been eating at me for the last six months that I'm finally tuned into. And, um, but before I go down that rabbit hole to close, I want to say one more thing that I just, it's just important to me to acknowledge, you know, especially with the social commentary occurring right now, especially through the LGBTQIA plus communities, um, gender identification, et cetera, that feminine energy, when we discuss on this show feminine and masculine energy, it is not identifying gender, sex, or anything like that. Feminine energy is not independent of being female, male, identifying as a woman or a man. Like everyone holds both of these energies inside of themselves. Every person holds both masculine and feminine energy. And men are also men, people who identify as men, people who identify as fathers are also in need of receptivity and and accepting yeah. help and receiving yeah. love and support and being poured into just as much as women are. And yeah. the difference comes when when a birthing person is in that portal, that two year portal of pregnancy and postpartum and transition. And I think that's what we're really focusing on in this episode, Shira, is that portal of the, of the need for a birthing person to be poured into, especially around the perinatal space and time in their life. But Anyway, I just, I just really, I just, there's so much commentary and there's so much backlash when people, when spiritual speakers are discussing feminine energy and masculine energy, and we're talking about these energies in some kind of, um, I don't know, it's not, it's not in like a polarizing way, like feminine is, masculine is. And it's, we're not defining gender with those things. These are energies that are alive in everyone and everyone has both. And that's yeah. Trying to define things that are on a spectrum like that, that exactly. You know, is is uh, kind of uh, fruitless. Yes, and yeah, and I'm glad. And and you know, I I need to work on being a little bit better about my language and just you know, I speak about mothers and two mothers because that is my experience yeah, right now. Absolutely, but it is definitely about birthing people and mothers are not the only like people yeah. who identify as mothers are not the only one who are going through these experiences and going through birth. And, um, and I have a lot to learn in terms of, um, inclusivity in that way. And, um, oh, me too. and yeah, I'm just, still just figuring just, it out. <laughs> and I, I just 
and that's good. You know, we have to speak so people can hear us. You know, if we if there's a message we want to have, it's our job to learn how to how to speak it so that uh, people, you know, the message gets through that you want to get through. Yeah, but I'm really glad you brought up that last point as well. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Is there is there anything we did not touch on, Shira, that is important to you in this conversation? I don't think so. I feel like we touched on so many things. I know. Like, okay. Every time I every time I get people on here, I'm like, God, I want to like, I want to be popular enough that someone will tune into a four hour episode. (laughs) I don't want to have to cut these off at an hour. (laughs) We let's see. I thought of my thing, my question. I forgot. Postpartum, postpartum depression. How did they handle it? 2000 years ago, were they smarter about it or were they crueler about it? You know, more matter of fact, I wonder. I think that postpartum depression wasn't even really a thing 2000 years ago. Yeah. It was the way things are. Well, or you think yes, they didn't get hormones. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think that part of what causes postpartum depression is the lack of support that we have in our society. Ooh, and it's causal. Okay. And I think that it's also due to like the mothers being malnourished. Um yeah and not taken care of and not supported in this very difficult time. And I would think, I mean, it would be different for different cultures 2000 years ago, but in certain cultures, there was just protocol, right? Women were just mothers, birthing people were just taken care of. Yeah. And they were, and they were fed specific foods to help them in this period of time. Plus and and stuff for me. Exactly. And their, and their bodies were wrapped in certain ways and there was a whole different things. That's Mm. not to discount. So there's, I think there's a difference between, postpartum depression and then just the experience of grief and sadness and um, change that comes with with having birth and I think that we can't change that change and all the emotions that come with that but the postpartum depression and the suffering that is happening for birthing Mm. people that I think is um something that we can work to change and that wasn't always a reality for, for birthing people. People are, yeah, they're going through it alone is the issue. People are, people are having very traumatic birthing experiences too. Yes. Trauma in birth is a huge, it's, it's Hmm. coming into the light now. It's been an issue for a long time, but it's finally gaining some light. Um, But being alone, like women and birthing people are alone postpartum. That's where the depression comes from before. Like you said, they were being taken care of by their elders, by their, by the women and the, the, the grandparents and the aunties and, you know, people who were there, specialists, doulas, et cetera, who were there to wrap their bodies and help them heal, to put salves on the right places at the right times, to Mm -hmm. literally feed them in bed while they nursed their new baby. Like you are producing milk. I saw a statistic the other day that was like, it takes 25% of your brain space as a new mother to produce your breast milk all day. 25%. That's of why your brain space, so of your calories to produce breast oh, yeah. milk. 
Like, like what? So you're already depleted. You're already bleeding. You're already in pain. You're already going through this change as a human being and your whole identity. And now you don't even have all of your brain like working (laughs) because you're just focused on like, I've got to feed this child and keep it alive. And I mean, it's just insane. And it is the difference in postpartum depression now and what existed back then is that it was probably pretty rare because women were not alone postpartum. And most women now are almost completely alone postpartum. Yeah. Yeah. Good observation. That makes sense. That was a good question though. That was a good question. That was one of his questions prior to recording. He's like, I know what PPD is. He's like postpartum depression. Right. I was like, yeah. He's like, what's PPA? And I was like, anxiety and he was like oh (laughs) because that the hyper the hype the so i just want to touch on that and then we really have to end but um yeah (laughs) the anxiety like people are like well women have always been worried about keeping their babies alive that's normal yes well yeah but not sitting alone with it so again those yeah. intrusive yeah. thoughts, those thought, those depressive, hopelessness feelings and thoughts that spiral in your head all day because you're alone with this thing that you're trying to keep alive twenty four seven. You're sleep deprived. And you're you in pain. You have no idea how to do et it. Etc. Yeah. Yes. And I think also the constant consumption of technology and like yes. these very high expectations uh, that are placed yeah. upon birthing people and and parents to parent in a specific way and to be all yeah. these things. And if you're not, you're falling short and you're, and all the, you know, yes. and so on and so forth. And I just think that you're alone. And then the only thing that you have is your cell phone and yeah. all of the, on the news and the Instagram and the, you know, all the things that you're consuming. Right. And especially for birthing people, you're, you're that portal. So you're so open in that period after you give birth and the veil is still so thin that that's why consumption is so important in that period of time. That's why what you eat is so important because that's what's going in, but also what you're listening to, who you're surrounding yourself by, what you're consuming in terms of television, news, all of that, because that's going to contribute to how you're feeling and the sensitivity is so high in that period of time because you literally are an open vessel between (laughs) the world mark mark my words one of the first applications for artificial intelligence is an ai robot to care for newborn children to relieve the stress from new mothers no it's to care for mothers women care the the mother cares for the newborn child she doesn't she doesn't need help with the baby she needs help with her she needs someone to cook and clean and do the laundry people that's also a huge misconception is that people want to come over and help and they want to come over and steal the baby so that (laughs) the mom can do all these things for herself and that's not what postpartum mothers need they need someone to come over and do all the other things that need done while they bond with their baby and keep the baby baby alive Exactly. Without having to worry about all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. You know, I always have my clients have those conversations with their loved ones, have a list on their door of like, these are the things we need you to do. These are the things that we need help with and have a time limit. 
this person boundaries are extremely yes. important for parenthood for everywhere for everything and everywhere um but i think a lot of birthing people's boundaries get walked over and um you know just taken idea. advantage of you just put a list on the door so when people visit mm-hmm. i need a grocery run here's yeah. my grocery list that's yeah. a great idea. I, it, like the first thing is tactic. always like wash your hands. You know, you're yes. coming to my space, wash your hands, take right. off your shoes. And then here's a pile of laundry that needs to be done. Here, if you know, you're coughing, go away. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or like, you know, we're sleeping right now. You can leave the food at the door, kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. to not, I think also the thing is that we've been talking about with mm. with, you know people feel bad about being burdens on other people. People feel mm-hmm. bad about creating these boundaries so that they mm-hmm. can be taken care of. And there's a, there's a big shift that has to happen there because you're not yeah. a burden on other yeah. people by mm-hmm. taking care of yourself and you're, yeah. you know, it's, but yeah, anyway, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> whole other Necessary thing. Yeah. to the tribe. Yeah. You're a productive yeah. member of the tribe. Yay. All right, friends. Well, Shira, tell everyone where they can find you. And then we will also, we'll have all of your links and everything in the show notes, but where can people find you? Sure. So you can find me at, at mamas, M-A-M-A-S dot wisdom, W-I-S-D-O-M on Instagram. Um, and my website is themamaswisdom.com and I have all my services, my blog, everything is up there. So thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We appreciate you. Oh, look, yeah. you pulled it up. You pulled <laughs> Nice. I do my research, baby. Awesome. That's a good picture of you. Did your husband take that picture? A friend of ours took that picture in the Pacific Northwest where we were just talking about ah. in Seattle. Beautiful nice. shot of standing out in the ocean. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. All right. So go visit mamaswisdom.com. Um, give yeah. Shira a follow on Instagram and check the show notes for easy, clickable links and more information. All right. We will see everybody next week. Mm-hmm. Bye. Great to, great to meet you. Well, did you learn anything new? Or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.